The following programme is a repeat of The Farm Show, which airs Thursday nights on KCLR from 7. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. This is The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you with thanks to TierlawnFarmLife.com. You're very welcome indeed to The Farm Show. We're having our regular green slot tonight with Thomas Ryan of Tier Lawn. Uh, Eric Driver's in studio a little bit earlier than anticipated and I'm going to make the most of that uh, as the evening goes through. He'll add his uh, opinions and comments to the various conversations we're going to have. We'll also have Mark Trimble on the phone talking about uh, what needs to happen during the spring to make uh, tillage farming worthwhile. And uh, we'll have uh, the various reports on on livestock during the weekend. Don't let me forget, people, that I have at least three diary items to mention during the evening. So we'll get around to those as well. First of all, Thomas Ryan and uh, Eric, but Thomas specifically, uh, you're, you're very welcome. We haven't uh, spoken, I think, since uh, tw- all the way back to 2023. That's right, Matt, and, and hello again to you and your listeners. I think it was uh, the week before Christmas week, would you believe, which seems like a lifetime away now. Uh, we had the opportunity to uh, go through some of the farming issues of the day and maybe wish each other a happy Christmas, but ha- um, how quickly that's gone. And we're already halfway uh, through uh, February and calving is in full swing. Um, um, a lot of our suppliers are, are quite busy. It's a busy time. You know, safety is obviously... Uh, a priority, um, you know, amongst this busy time and not just for, for, for a farmer themselves, but even for the farm family, because everyone is called to action, uh, right now. And, you know, maybe a first thing maybe to touch on is as farmers are calving, they're also thinking about the, look, the slurry and, and, and managing the slurry and when the weather allows them that they're actually able to get out. And maybe in that context, I think thinking about slurry as a, as a valuable fertilizer maybe in terms of managing costs on the farm. You know, slurry um, uh, is a valuable source of nutrients on the farm and it can benefit grass and crop growth when applied, you know, uh, uh, the right way. So, and even look at current prices uh, for nutrients, applying a 1,000 gallons of slurry at, let's say, about 6% uh, dry matter uh, to grass is the equivalent of a 50 kg bag of nine uh, five thirty two fertilizer uh, and that's when it's applied using low emissions uh, which a lot of, of farmers are using and those that are using the the trailing shoe uh, many are reporting really positive in, in in terms of its impact on 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 grass growth and avoiding spoilage so uh, when it's when that when that slurry is applied uh, using uh, less uh, it's worth about between 30 and 35 euros uh, per 1000 gallons and I think, look, importantly, the only last piece of guidance maybe around applying uh, slurry because of its P and K value, uh, it's worth looking at and really targeting fields at the indices one and two. So, look, it's a busy time. Uh, maybe ask farmers, look, think about your, your your safety and make sure you get through the calving season. And as you're looking at your, your slurry and slurry management, just remember slurry is an important nutrient uh, that you can use to reduce costs maybe and you might need to apply less bag fertiliser. Yeah, and as I always like to refer to it as liquid organic manure. I mean, it's a it's a it's a fascinating product, despite uh, the the fact that it's just called slurry. It has uh, it has huge benefits for soil microbiology as well as soil fertility. But um, ultimately, farmers under a lot of pressure at the moment now with tanks um, filling up and. Uh, 
not easy to get traction out in the fields when you're getting rain the whole time. But listen, the days are getting longer. I noticed even this evening now, coming up to six o'clock, the, the clouds had sort of broken up, and uh, you know there was a there was a good stretch there. So all to look forward to. But it lifts our spirits. It lifts our spirits as the days get as, as the days get brighter, a little bit in the morning there, and even as you said, a stretch in the evening, Matt. It does. It naturally it naturally lifts our spirits. I think it makes it easier maybe to get the chores done when you're not depending on the lights when you're not to look when look that natural light and it does give us all a bit of a lift but does and I tend to look at dates uh, and, and, and time scales and I was thinking this morning uh, this evening driving in uh, five weeks until we turn the clocks again so you know we're, we're heading in the right direction I don't want to wish me life away now God knows um, <laughs> life, life, life is scarce enough but um, there's a big challenge Thomas, for a lot of farmers with this nitrates uh, derogation reduction, there is, there is, Matt. Of course, there is, and um, and it's real. So, so what do we know? We know that since the first of January, um, for many of your listeners, that two fifty, uh, uh, the two fifty kgs of organic nitrogen per hectare, that has reduced to two twenty, um, and. Look, what that what that practically means is it's implemented on on a lipis parcel by lipis parcel basis. So. For example, if part of uh, is in 220, I think um, first thing is anyone who's not sure, they really do need to perhaps sit down with their uh, advisor and, and go through it and plan for it. Um, I think, look, we're, we're losing too much of basic payment um, through penalties. You know, there was the, we saw figures reported there. Um, a euro saved is as good as a euro earned. So maybe look, try and stay the right side of um, um, of the regulations there are a number of things that can be done but in all honesty they are going to add costs on the farm you know we know we saw what happened in the land market around the leasing you know the additional le- leasing um, some farmers are saying to me that they're looking at you know maybe some of the non-dairy stock they might be carrying on the farm uh, and looking at maybe maybe reducing that you know to stay within within the 220 um, and and look for look a lot of farmers are trying to proactively manage it there's a bigger concern, I think, Matt, if it were to go below the 220. Absolutely. I think that would be, by all accounts, catastrophic. And I've heard that from so many people now, and even the, the Minister for Agriculture is adamant that that would have huge, huge implications. There is a point about the actions you suggest people take and and, 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 and plan ahead. Because if you don't move, say you, you ultimately end up with a problem and you don't move till April time, it's a calendar year, so you, you've then got to take twice as much action to bring yourself back within the limit. You do, and, and, and some advisors would say their greatest concern is that when a farmer's going into a basic payment uh, application later on in the year, that maybe it's only then the conversation will start. And, you know, that might be leaving it a bit on the long finger, maybe the call to action for any of your listeners that are listening, and maybe, you know, that they farm in derogation and they might be at that 220 and hovering, hovering slightly above it. That they begin that discussion now, maybe maybe with well as soon as calving is over and they get a bit of free time, you know they begin that discussion with their advisor to begin to to, to begin to plan plan for the year ahead, because look every every couple of weeks that are lost maybe is um, um, it just becomes more difficult to to manage it manage that manage it at the back end of the year, and look it might be around contract rearing outlook the heifers the the young stock maybe maybe before you bring it back in. There are some solutions, but for but for many, they're just simply not going to be enough either. 
Yeah, and it's, 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 we've already seen the law of unintended consequences with land leasing prices going up and so on. But there, there are other aspects that people haven't thought through at all. For instance, if, if, if you had a further significant reduction, you could end up with an awful lot of cows being housed permanently, as is the, the modus operandi across the world. We're, we're pretty unique apart from New Zealand and a few other places. But that in turn, would have implications for butter, specifically Kerrygold butter, which is sold around the world because it's a, a unique flavour and texture and colour, and you lose that with indoor production. Um, you do, and I think, look, within Tierlawn as a, a co-op that exports to over 100 countries around the world, we have an opportunity to have really good discussions uh, on behalf of our suppliers with these customers selling the core value of our outdoor grass-based model um, um, of dairy and of food production. You know, we're un- almost unique by international standards with up to 300 days uh, 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 out at grass. Um, it even erode, I mean, our, our competitive advantage in terms of dairy production, grass is the cheapest form of feed, right? So so for every, you know, for every extra day and, and, and look around at the weather at the moment, it is challenging. For every, every extra day, um, um, our cows and our, our, our stock are housed. You know, they're maybe fed concentrates along with, um, uh, along with the meal. Uh, or, uh, along with the silage, but in addition to that, we ha- we're we're it's pushing against what's natural, you know, and and and, and our core strength, and indeed it'll have a knock-on effect for costs at, at 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 farm level. So the important thing here is that with all these changes, and there's so much change happening for farmers right now, whether it's the nitrates or or, or regulations generally, with all this change, that that it doesn't have an unintended consequence, as you speak about. That we lose that that core competitive advantage of our outdoor grass-based model of, of dairy production and food production generally that we do so successfully here in Ireland. Now, Tierland's Solar Gen is in for an award in the coming weeks. We'll talk about that in a moment. Mm. First of all, better tell me about Solar Gen. Farm Gen, I will show. Farm Gen, a bigger part. No, not at all. Okay, so 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 Farm Gen, it's a um, 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 it's a, a great offering that that Tierlawn has for 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 um, all farmers, um, dairy, beef, you know, wh- whomever. Uh, a chap called Damien Sutton in Tierlawn is the pr- pr- program manager, and we partner with a company called PV Gen. So so really, what Farm Gen does, it, it provides a rooftop solar offering uh, for. The, the, the dairy for house for, for residential um, and it's also complemented uh, with battery storage as well the major, to be honest with you Matt the majority of farmers you know look at it and put it out on the on, on the slatted shed uh, or, 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 or such building and uh, they'd use it maybe and uh, for cooling milk and and the plate cooler but some also are backing it up and complementing it uh, with the the battery and the value of that is that ensures that you actually have the energy or have the electricity you need when you're milking, uh, which is sometimes during peak in terms of the price, uh, uh, the price you're charged. And by having your battery storage, uh, you're really in a position where you can have you can have energy uh, uh, when it's needed. You know, farmers uh, who are who have used it and are and and and, and are using the service, the farm gen service successfully, they're talking about a payback period of. Maybe five, approximately three to five years maximum. Maybe maybe out to seven. Recent changes made by the government around tariffs and around supports have made it more attractive. Um, you know we're we're very busy taking taking calls. Uh, the farm gen gen team are, and look as I say, they're up for a an award at what at, at, at the Green Awards uh, um, in the next uh, couple of days in Dublin. Uh, it's great that they're finalists and they're placed in it. 
we wish him the best of luck and it would be nice to bring back a bit of silverware back to Kilkenny again and an acknowledgement that you're doing uh, doing the job right and going in, in the right direction. Eric Driver, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've kept you in reserve there, but um, any thoughts? I know your manager, of course, people will know of, of Tullo Mart. Any thoughts of um, putting solar panels on the on, on the Mart roof? Yeah, we are. We are absolutely thinking about it, Matt, and good evening to yourself and to all your listeners. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's a step we have to take because we're even finding out that the cost of energy is becoming a major factor in running the Mart. And if we can find ways and mediums of addressing this and uh, keeping the few pounds in the pocket, as Thomas said earlier, a euro saved is better than a euro, uh, you know, worked for. So uh, nevertheless here, I think there's certainly grounds there. We've been making some initial conversations, but no one jumping has yet. But hopefully in the very near future, uh, we'll someone will walk into the yard and we'll start that. Playing hard to get as good Carol of Folk do. I think, Ma- just. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think, Matt, you're after making me an offer here. I can't refuse my seven. Eric need to have a conversation. No, there, there'll be, you'll be sitting down by, 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 by the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. You're on your own yet, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, it strikes me though that uh, when, when we talk about the likes of uh, solar panels or uh, wind power or even biomethane, God knows you could grow old and grey and bald waiting for biomethane, but ultimately it'll happen. But uh, why, why the delay for what is a very, very stable and acknowledged and well-worked uh, technology. But um, farmers always quite enthusiastic about at least examining opportunities. Yeah, but by nature, we're enthusiastic people anyway, and we're full of investigation just by nature of who the farmer is. So, And, and I think they, they it's a business at the end of the day. You know, the farm, inside the farm gate is a business, and they have to do everything they can to adapt to find the best way of running their business at the best cost that they can do it. So certainly they're not afraid to try and take on new challenges. And when you see the likes of Tierlon coming in with this uh, farm gen project, and, and it gives confidence because Tierlon has been there for many a generation of the farm now. And if they're buying into this, it gives a farmer confidence for to do it. Just like if Total Livestock Sales, I would like to think, put solar panels on the roof of the mart, that that would give farmers an idea. God, if Tullow's doing that, there must be something in it. And I think it's all about, and you know, if Paddy is doing it down the road and Mary is ahead up the road, God, we better try that in the morning, Mammy, or we won't be at it, we'll be left behind. So I, I think it's all about learning from each other and a conversation. But when you see companies like Tierlan taking this and, and moving it forward, we have to realise that's where we need to go. I mentioned biomethane, Thomas, and I know Tierlan is part of a consortium that's anxious to get this thing up and running, but God knows it would wear you out waiting. Uh, it would. So, so um, eventually, Matt, the, the government have published a biomethane consultation document. And for any of your listeners that may be interested, uh, they have until the end of February um, um, to, to put in any comment or, or views to that uh, consultation document. But, you know, let's be very honest, consultation. You know, anaerobic digestion, biomethane, it's a settled technology. You go across any parts of Europe, Germany, France, you know, Belgium, it's a settled technology that's used widely, you know, and, and, and it's really, it's giving an alternative income stream, which is really needed right now. You know, look at the, the, the dairy, beef, uh, um, um, tillage markets, um, the volatility within them. Imagine if there was a complementary enterprise on the farm or enterprise in the community. Not necessarily, you know, uh, farmers could, you know, be growing the crops uh, uh, for it 
Um, but it has the opportunity to be that hedge, to be that buffer, you know, to add, add, as an income hedge. There, I say it like the old reps check, right? Um, so, uh, but right now, in terms of that consultation that's open, for any of your listeners who have a direct interest uh, on the Department of Agriculture's website, they'll find the, the, the consultation that's currently open until, the, until the, I believe, the 27th of February. Uh, but really, we would like to see it moved on to a point where there's uh, both capital grants and refit tariffs put in place you know, co-ops like Tierlawn, you know, we've a, an active and alive interest, you know, we, uh, but but the economics have to stack up and, and, and have to make it work at farm level uh, in order for us as a co-op to, 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 to invest our, our, our suppliers' money. As always, Matt, I'm always given the Sustainability Action Payment Programme a, a mention and a plug. Maybe just to say to you, we've talked this evening around low emission slurry spreading, you know, we've talked about in the past around protected urea, uh, all these actions are all eligible actions for the sustainability action payment and this year you know you, we're all all your listeners will be well aware the use of protected urea has been identified as the number one action you know to improve uh, uh, and reduce your carbon footprint on the farm in recognition of that a change has been made to sustainability action payment whereby it counts as two measures this year so if a farmer uh, ticks the box and, and, and declares the protected urea as being as being the measure well then they only have to uh, select Another five along with that because the protected urea one, it's 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 worth double on 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 on, on, on the on the loyalty and on the bonus scheme, but it's also worth double also on the sustainability action payment. Again, seeking to progress the agenda, support our suppliers. On average, that's worth you know eight hundred euros uh, um, um, to a supplier. So hopefully you'll see the value and it's another bit of progress as well. Absolutely, and this policy directing people in the appropriate uh, in the appropriate direction. Not a topic for tonight, no, because I'm, I'm heading for an ad break, but um, I often think that there's mm, huge opportunities. Eric and I might dwell on it later on. Huge opportunities in, in, in forestry and expanded tillage. They're looking for more acres there. Uh, solar farms, biomethane um, feed, uh, the lower derogation. It all requires land, and with a finite amount of land. So how the how all this going to square up? I don't know. Something will have to give way ultimately. Thomas Ryan of Tierland, thank you very much for joining me. Eric will remain with us. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe, brought to you by TierlandFarmLife.com. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by Tierlandfarmlife.com. Nothing at all in terms of tillage work with very poor soil conditions. However, let's get an update from Mark Trimble, Chagas Tillage Advisor. Mark, you're very welcome to The Farm Show. Thanks very much, Matt. Mark, let's start with diary first of all, because you have a winter crops walk happening tomorrow morning, the 16th, in Kildalton Agricultural College Farm. That's at 11 a.m. Yep. Correct, 11am tomorrow morning, we'll be meeting down there in, in Cadalton and Pilltown and yeah, we'll be covering all aspects of, of the winter crop husbandry and how, uh, how crops are looking at this stage. It's been, a, as you said, it's been a very difficult autumn and winter and there's every type of crop up there, out there at the minute, you know, from crops that look very good to the opposite end of the scale as well. Some are not looking so good at all and we'll, we'll run through all the all those options are all those options and look at what maybe the best uh, management practices are for for each uh, each each type of crop area. Yeah, I, I I happened to travel by train to Dublin there a couple of weeks ago, and I have to say some crops on on the side of the track looking very well, but then you saw big patches, obviously either waterlogged or slug damage or whatever. So yeah, you do need advice on what to do about those. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, where there's where there are big patches, that's where there's nothing there. I mean. 
they're they're the ones really that you, you know, I suppose you are looking at maybe looking at the possibility of of, of replanting. You know, but in general, if we would we would say replanting is a last resort. Really, I mean uh, the cost involved and that cost already incurred with with having put that winter crop in the ground, and uh, the spring crop will have to bear that cost as well as its own. So it's really a last resort. And the department have come out this week and said that there, there's no issue with these, these patchy crops with some bare patches in them. So there'll be no changes to be made on the, the BIS application. And, and indeed, the, the full plot will be eligible for the straw chopping scheme as well. So that was that was good to hear this week. One one last thing to, to be concerned about. Yeah, I, I noted at the tillage conference, they were suggesting some basis for a judgment anyway would be the number of, of plants per square metre. Yes, absolutely. That's that's really where it comes down to the case of getting out into the field and, and doing plant counts. Some crops are a little bit more more able to, to sustain a low plant count than others. Wheat and oats, for example, more so than barley. You know, really, in, in, in two-row barley, if you're down below 150 plants per square metre, you're, you're kind of in poor enough territory there. But wheat, you could go down as low as, as 90 or below it and, and still... And still wheat will, will compensate and, and you'll, you'll still get a decent crop uh, from that. No, take me through where we are at the moment, Mark, because a lot of crops weren't sown in the autumn. Seed was held over. There was a hope that early February sowing of winter crops could, could d- deliver results. That's not going to happen now. And we're looking at, ultimately, we're looking at seed shortages. Yeah, it is. It is a reality. All right. Like, you know, like you were saying there, there was, was a hope that a good bit of certainly winter wheat would have been got in there in January and then first half of this month, but weather conditions just didn't allow that. So we're, we're back to kind of square one there. But having spoken to, to all the local merchants here in Kilkenny anyway, they're, they're, they're all fairly confident that we will have, that they will have enough seed for, for all the all the spring barley, oats and beans, probably the three main ones that, that, that are to be sown. Now, there will be a significant amount of that will be imported, probably up to 30% and maybe even up to 50% in some cases. So we will be getting, our farmers will be getting varieties that maybe they, they, they haven't seen before. And uh, we'll, we'll have to try and come up with a plan for that. Yeah, now going back to that walk tomorrow down in Kildalton, because, I mean, every crop is different. It's not one size fits all, I presume. You've got different fertilizer needs, maybe weed control, disease control. Absolutely, yeah, everything is Everything is different. There's been a lot of an awful lot of winter crops that are that are in the ground and are, are viable crops have had no weed control yet. So, so you're looking at a different approach to that this year, probably more of a more like a spring cereal uh, weed control approach at this stage because the the timing is gone for for a lot of the the, the usual uh, options that would be there. You know, but yeah, that's kind of where we're at at the minute, and we we will be looking at that. And and you know, I suppose if if the if the plant counts are low, then you are looking at kind of tailoring your inputs, really. Like there's no point in, in managing a, a crop that you're expecting to get 10 or 11 tonnes per hectare, where in reality you're only going to get maybe six and a half or seven. You, you need to kind of tailor your, 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 your plan to suit that, you know. No, looking forward to another dairy item, Mark. Uh, Malting Barley Conference happening next Tuesday, the 20th, at from 10.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. down at the Riverside Park Hotel in Enniscorthy. For those who have the option to sow malting barley, and assuming, you know, the opportunities, the weather opportunities arise, it, it is a valuable crop. It's a premium crop. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. It is. Yeah, it, it, it's a case of having to really... Look at any crop, indeed. That's that's there's some bit of a premium there, you know. Not just moving away from your standard feed oats and feed 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 barley. You know, you're 
your gluten-free oats, your your uh, beet crops, and, and then malt and barley obviously falls into that category as well. So um, again, back to the, I suppose, back to from a seed point of view, the merchants are saying that they, they have enough planet malt and barley seed for all the all, all the growers for this spring. So there shouldn't be a problem there. And hopefully March will come a little bit better and give us a chance to, to get it into the ground. Yeah, there's a number of topics up for discussion there. Varieties, nitrogen loss to water. Uh, the use of liquid nitrogen for malting barley, is, is, is that a thing, Mark, or relatively novel, or where is it? It's kind of it's something that's kind of uh, becoming a little bit more popular across the board, really, in the last in the last little while. So uh, across all crops, it would be probably used a little bit more across the water and in uh, up up kind of in the north northeast of the country. Uh, not really a huge amount around here, but it definitely does have its have its plus sides. The uh, accuracy being the main thing, you know, from a, a overlap point of view, and also for uh, headland management, it's it's it's, it's fantastic for that, you know. Yeah, in terms of calendar now, Mark, and I, I know a lot of people looking out despondently at the fields, um, waterlogged and more rain on the way, but it's relatively early times yet. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's it's we're 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 very we're only in, in the middle of February, really. Like you know, I mean, yeah. If there was a, a window came, maybe you might you might sow some some beans now, but certainly you wouldn't be you wouldn't be thinking about sowing spring barley for another couple of weeks anyway. So uh, we're we're early in the season and. Yeah, and we've noticed, obviously, we're all, we're all great observers of the weather, Mark, but you notice when the days get longer, a good blow, plenty of sunshine, a week, 10 days can change a lot. Absolutely, yes, especially in, as the year goes on, longer days and that opportunities will come in the coming months, I'm sure. Mark Tremble, Tillage Advisor with Chagas, thank you very much for joining me on The Farm Show. Thanks, Matt. Ah, that was Mark Trimble, and don't forget, that's my first diary item, actually. Don't forget that winter crops walk on tomorrow, the 16th of February in Kildalton College. It's uh, running on from 11am, so well worthwhile uh, if you have issues around winter crops that you need to find a a resolution to. Elsewhere, Gorn Ploughing, this is a series of... um, ploughing notices we've had for the, the various uh, plough uh, organisations around the counties of Carlow and Kilkenny. But Gordon happening on uh, next Sunday at uh, 11am. Uh, it'll be signposted uh, for, uh, from Gordon. It's uh, out on, the site is out on the Palstown Road. And uh, weather permitting now, there, there, there is that um, health warning attached to that uh, event. But uh, weather permitting, that'll all happen at the, at the weekend. Elsewhere, the IFA are continuing their series of uh, protests, and it's um, this time the focus is on Waterford City. Uh, there'll be a tractor drive through the city on uh, tomorrow, Friday evening. Uh, the gathering from seven thirty p.m. I think you can get most of the details on the IFA website or the app if you if you have that. So. Just be aware of that, and indeed, traffic uh, will be somewhat discommoded, I'm sure. So that's uh, that's an inevitable aspect of that. But uh, listen, the IFA holding a, a tractor protest in Waterford City uh, tomorrow night, uh, starting from seven thirty. And finally, um, uh, the, the bridge. I'm, I'm hearing uh, stories about the bridge over the River Barrow. That's just at the far side of Gore's Bridge, almost between uh, Kilkenny and Carlow. Uh, the Two county councils are intent on making that a one-way system with traffic lights uh, coordinating the the traffic going through in order to narrow the the bridge even further uh, to facilitate footpaths and that uh, for cyclists and walkers. So 
to my knowledge the consultation around that ends in about seven days time uh, so if you want to get involved and have your tuppence worth on that because uh, apart from general traffic it's um it's a very very major uh, traffic route for uh, farmers whether it's uh, for agriculture and machinery generally or for drawing grain to either red mills or into um uh, tierland facilities there in Gorsebridge so but I'll get, uh, get investigating if you have an interest in uh, contributing to the debate around whether that's a good idea, a bad idea, or a fait accompli at this stage. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I think we're up to an ad break. On, let's go there. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. Eric Driver, manager of Tullamarta, remains with me in studio. Eric, I can't help thinking, and I know the costs have gone through the roof, and not, uh, and there's an awful lot of work involved with sheep production. Everyone uh, accepts that and acknowledges acknowledges that fact. But um, good times to be an auctioneer. Prices are good. Yeah, absolutely, uh, um, Matt. Yeah, well said. Certainly, it's an easy job at this particular time to sell stock, but and especially sheep. Looking back to Tuesday, gone out there, we had a fabulous trade and, and things had stepped up a gear again, is what I put it to you. You know, 49 kilos on more than one occasion, making 170 in the ring. Uh, the top call of the day was 179 for 55 kilos. Cash Joe trade, maybe not as peppy as we would have seen this time last year, but still a top call there of 202 for good heavy flesh joes. That store trade, maybe from 150 to 170 a kilo. Few yos with lambs at foot starting to come out around the ring here. Uh, single unit selling there from 180 up to 220, depending on the age of the O. Uh, with some younger fitter units, a uh, lamb and a half up to 270, 280, and we're breaking the 300 for yos with doubles at foot in lamb yos. And again, we've seen a lot of them through the ring here in Tullow over the last number of weeks here. I'd say we've sold over 2,000 in lamb yos, but the trade on Tuesday for that 500 head dispersal sale, averaging into the mid 140s there for uh, a very much a, a sort of a Hiltex type yo here. And uh, we have another 100 again on Tuesday coming in lamb yos, very strong yos this in this instance, good stuff across type, Texel cross yos. Uh, some of them Tullo-type yos, as we call them, the tanks, and uh, fine big strong yos carrying in approximately 1.9 lambs, and that's all happening next Tuesday. I can't help thinking that, um, and I'm wondering, and I'm going to ask you the question as to why there is this significant differential between beef prices and and lamb sheep prices, we'll put it as broadly as that. There was always a, a small margin, but it's it's widened. Yeah, because sheep are becoming extinct, in my opinion of it, uh, Matt. You know, supply and demand is what creates a trade and creates a price. And uh, unfortunately, we have just seen a depletion of the sheep industry in Ireland here. And, uh, you know, you look at figures as as, as major as 35,000 yos less in 2022. And they're suspecting a figure something similar for 2023. Like, that's a major chunk out of the yo flock in Ireland here. But also, if you go back out to the European level at the minute, and what's driving the beef, the, the sheep trade, we feel at the minute is, you look at the that dry uh, half in the southern of Europe, and that has left lambs killed at lighter carcass weights and sheep gone out of the system. And also, if you look at then at the, just the sheer number of sheep that survived throughout the early parts of 2023, you know, we had a very wet spring, and that left us with numbers down. So again, it goes back to supply and demand there again here. And uh, production rates are down, suggested to be down 2 to 4% in 2023 across the world here for sheep production. So as you see, supply is going down. Obviously, trade will rise a little bit. Ramadan was coming in earlier, and we have seen it here for many, many years. It breaks early. Easter breaks early. 
the factory agents don't want to be left with their hands empty at that very particular time where they really get market share for the rest of the year. So uh, they're, they're really trying dearly out there to ensure they have the product. Basically, what you're saying to me is that uh, shepherd numbers, uh, the same as the sheep numbers, shepherd numbers are contracting. That, that it's an aging population, not enough young people, men and women coming into the into the game, and uh, ultimately that means uh, a, a deficit in sheep production across Europe. Yeah, look at it. You mentioned the aging profile there, and I'm one of them. You know, I bowed out earlier in the year. There's no doubt about it. I got out of the in lamio flock, and uh, the reason I done it was simply because it just doesn't justify the figures. The figures don't add up, unfortunately. I, I couldn't leave my job and go home to farm. I, you know, I love farming; it's my first love. Uh, but I couldn't go home and and, and manage a flock a flock of yours and expect that I was going to be able to rear a family on it. It can't be done. That's an industry an issue there. That's happening generations now, and it's not been addressed. So, and this is the this is the byproduct of it. And it's great to see the sheep trade up. Just an, inst- an interesting statistic is this time last year we were at six euro thirty a kilo, and tonight you can get seven euro forty. Now that may say we're one euro ten ahead, but then don't forget that we've looked at a back end here into the January, December, January, February, where we have found it very expensive meal concentrates. You have to feed the sheep. There is no cheaper way of feeding sheep now for the back end due to these father crops all being gone and these ridiculous rules that the department brought out to us last back end here uh, we were very 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 concerned about it in the industry for the store lamb trade and it did take an effect on the store trade it's only now we're starting to see the store trade picking up for the lambs simply because those feeders that bought them sheep and put them on rape stubble turnips all of those products even had they have grown, I know we had a bad harvest and we don't need to go back there. We will, we, we were great men and women to put the hand in our mind, but shelve it away. But even if those crops had a grew well, they couldn't be grazed until after the 1st of January by the rules that had been brought in last back end. Ridiculous stuff. And this is the byproduct of it now. We may be a Euro 10 further on here, but I can guarantee you that Euro 10 is easy accounted for when it comes to the cost of feeding. And as you said, this is not an Irish uh, phenomenon. It's, it's, it's across Europe. I'm hearing stories of some of the specialist sheep cheeses being uh, in deficit. Uh, the Crete, for instance, and Greece and across Spain and Portugal, where they make those those beautiful sheep's cheeses, some of them pasteurised, some of them not. And because the ageing population, the drift of young people away from the hills where, where sheep are, you know, mm. t- traditionally um, reared in those countries, that... Uh, we're looking at a transformation not only of the, of, of the sheep industry but of the entire landscape then. Yeah, absolutely. And then you're talking about, you know, the environmental and the control of the environment. You know, sheep had a place and there's only, even tonight, there's a conference going on in Wicklow about getting sheep back into the Wicklow Mountains, bringing sheep back into the mountains. And if because they're back, necessary as well as... necessary and yep. they, they serve a purpose. And I remember going to the hills with my uncles and my grandfather and my dad and gathering the sheep in off the hills and there would be hundreds of yours out on the Wicklow Mountains. That's not out. They're not out there anymore. And now you can see, you go walk the hills in the summer there, and I brought up the kids there last summer, and you can see where the hills are going out of control because there's nothing there to control the the, the, the vegetation there. So, you know, we have to. We should listen to our four grandfathers before us. They've done it for a reason. And here we are now trying to get sheep back into the hills. It's It's all mad stuff. And it's happening in Europe, as you have said, and across the world here. We just see people walking away because it just doesn't uh, give a life a few pound in the pocket for to sustain life as such. Yeah, and there's a whole contradiction among some people who preach about, uh, you know, letting things return to nature. Um, a managed landscape has been there for thousands of years. It has actually delivered in terms of flora and fauna that we associated with, with particularly the Wicklow Hills and, 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 and the West of Ireland and so on. Mm-hmm. So people want to be careful what they look for. 
I, I mentioned a topic early on, Eric, and you might just comment on it briefly. This, the idea of land use uh, potential and uh, uh, all kinds of options now, but we, we've got a finite amount of land, and it looks like an awful lot of agencies and an awful lot of policies are encouraging expansion in their own spheres. I instanced forestry. Uh, tillage is, is, is being promoted as needing a, an expanded acreage. Um, biomethane will require some, some grass, basically, to feed the digesters. Solar farms and I, I, I have an issue with solar farms, but there you go. I think we've plenty of roof space for all the solar we want without using productive land for it. But anyway, your top and sword. Look at Matt, I, I simply think here that uh, it's going to bring hunger before we bring reality about how finite land is out there at the minute. And uh, certainly, uh, you know, you look at you look at the situation and all these different schemes is coming and look at, as they say, the, the tail wags the dog and, and that's certainly happening at a political aspect at the minute. You know, there's a very green movement here within Ireland at the minute and we're looking at a land being locked up in scenarios where it even can't be brought back into the production, food production again. It'll be taken off into the growth of trees and, and all these different areas that goes into. And there is land very suitable for that out there and don't get me wrong. But we are also seeing very arable land being lost into these situations and I think the hunger of the tummy of that uh, is what will bring us full circle and it's going to take that and, and we're maybe already starting that process at a European level now you see the movement of these of the farmer protests across Europe here the message is starting to be heard that farmers need to be listened to we have been caretakers of the land for generation upon generation and will be into the future and they blame us for so much because we're a large group of people that can take the take the baton as such and they leave you run with it. But nevertheless, if you go to the fridge and you want a litre of milk, who has put it there? If you go to the fridge and you want a slice of ham, who has put it there? A loaf of bread, who has put it on the table for you? It's the farmer. And until that message becomes real in the hunger of a stomach, then they will start listening. Rarely enough that you you get a, a group of people, any people, but I'll instance farmers in this uh, situation, all facing in the one direction, all thinking uh, in, in unison, if you like. Uh, the, 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 there's a huge um, agreement that farmers are being overwhelmed by over-regulation, by the use of their time which essentially they all want to be farmers but now they're they're, they're being turned into bookkeepers increasingly um, these protests are, are, are gaining in not only in strength but in popularity yeah no it's the first time in my career that I say the farmers have all stood together all industry you know from the dairying right through to the dry stock right through to the tillage man and all other industries within agriculture you're 100% right and for those of us that were in the industry supporting these farmers the bureaucracy and red tape is, is just about crippling and, and we're at our best to carry it. And for farmers now, their fear of not being able to uh, meet dates and targets and have farms in and farms back and it's all about paperwork and it's all about financial recording and even looking at the nitrates conversation we had earlier with Tom, you know, this 220 derogation, the impact of not dealing with that today and maybe leaving it for tomorrow or for a month's time that has a bigger impact on your financial income on the farm and, and what you have to do with your farm planning. So certainly uh, it's high time now that the government listen to the farmers and I'm delighted to see the farmers coming out and making a peaceful but yet very clear message known to the industry beyond farming that this is not sustainable. We can't do it. They will burn out. 
I mentioned that land is finite. Time is also finite. And for farmers, they're, they're busier than ever. I know a, a lot of the service sectors, and I include the Doxall, but they don't have to spend all day at it. What are you doing in Tullow? Well, look at in Tullow, we have, look, we've adapted immensely through COVID, and it was the, the only positive that came out of COVID for the market industry was the online facility and being able to work with the, with the online facility now. And that's a great help for us. And we in Tullow will allow farmers to come in and drop off their stock and go home, and we'll ring them and give them the weights and prices and talk them through it. Now, that is all brilliant, and it has much positivity, but we are losing that personal contact. That day, which was so important to the farmer's headspace, for he or she to come to the martyr and have the chat with their colleagues and sit up on the, on the, on the bench and kick the, the muck up and down the yard and go into the canteen, have the, the bowl of rice or the dinner. That bit of headspace is gone, Matt. And that is a big issue because that's important for any, for any walk through life and especially for farmers who very much do it all on their own. And if I could just say when we're talking about headspaces coming into the sales, uh, on next Friday week we have our continental sale. That's the 23rd of February. That's our weekly, our monthly continental sale. We have a dairy sale on Wednesday the 28th of February and we have a machinery auction on Wednesday the 6th of February and next coming Wednesday, Wednesday the 21st, we have uh, an organic sale and I must say we were delighted to see organic sales are growing with us in Tullow here and uh, we look forward to the, those uh, three Wednesday sales. So we have three Wednesdays now in a row coming up Organic, followed by dairy, followed by machinery, our continental sale next Friday, and uh, we have those yo's on Tuesday. So it's all business go. And do come into us and have a chat in Toro, even if you're only just passing. It's always good for the old headspace. I think we've just unearthed another uh, unintended consequence of, uh, by facilitating farmers to minimise the amount of time they have to spend uh, getting their businesses done and uh, in the marts in this instance. Uh, we may actually be inadvertently incre- increasing the, the the solitary confinement of many of them uh, who don't have any other uh, social outlet or very few other social outlets during the week. Eric, uh, you stay with us. George will be along in, in, in a few moments uh, to deliver the Kilkenny Mart Report and we'll discuss livestock prices in general. But uh, now we're heading for a, an ad break. The Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com. KCLR Mart Report. Sponsored by Kilkenny Livestock Mart. Serving the farming community for over 60 years. Now, George has joined us in studio and by off-air comments, it looks like it was a hot day at uh, Killeen Hill. <laughs> Indeed it was. A big yard of cattle. 770 on offer, Matt. Turnover, 934,000. Uh, shortage of customers. No, they were out in force. The first bullet considering today was there starting the bullock ring. He weighed in at 955 kilo, made 2520, uh, which is 264 per kilo. He was mature, but he was big. Uh, the 600 kilo plus bullocks today in Kilkenny, 237 to 330 per kilo. That's 1850, 2520 per head. Our average price there was 289 per kilo. Find a 600 kilo bullock from 223 to 346 per kilo, 1150 to 1980 per head, averaging in at uh, 2 euros 68 per kilo. Uh, 4 to 500 kilo bullock from 225 to 385 per kilo, 960 to 1650 per head, averaging in at 271. With under 400 kilo from 170 to 385 per kilo, 400 euro to 1280 per head, average there at 276. Now our uh, cull cow sale has moved to a Tuesday which has become a very popular day because on Tuesday we have not only cull cows we have suckers also and uh, no, yes, suckers if they appear but also suck calves. So uh, the Tuesday calves are the cull cow sale, Frisian cull cows 120 to 230 per kilo with the continents from 165 to 270 per kilo. I don't think anyone is unsold in that sector. In the beef effort today 
today a very good selection of beef heifers, a, a special consignment of uh, limits and cross heifers, U-grids, and uh, th- of those uh, uh, 45 heifers, the average price was 3.15 per kilo. Anyway, today in Kilkenny, 2.50 to 3.05 for the beef heifer, that's 16.80 21.70 per head. Four store type uh, from uh, 2.35 to 3.25 per kilo, 1,200 euro to 15.50 per head with a lighter type from 2.30 to 3.25 per kilo, 600 euro to 12.80 per head. Beef heifers averaged in at uh, 2.68, uh, the forward stores, would you believe, 2.80 and 2.65 for the light stores. So things are booming. And long may it last. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, as I said, I, I, maybe I'm conservative type, Matt, but, uh, you know, I hope that uh, going forward, uh, factories uh, this week, they're talking about uh, uh, dropping quotes, etc., etc. They love to take the sting out of the market, I think. Whether it'll work or not, if it's a bit like the sheep, and what's driving the sheep is supply and demand, and, uh, and as, as Eric has told you, and, and that means that you see lambs being quoted. Someone said today they're quoted 720, some fellow said maybe 740. So that's uh, very good money uh, for a sheep. But unfortunately, talking about sheep, Monday's sheep sale, we have another clearance of sale for Jim Darcy, a great man to produce sheep, but he's getting out. We had another one last week, so there's a few of them leaving the, the, the threshold there. In, on Monday, Butcher Hoggett from 155 to 177 per kilo that 177 for 59 kilo 54 kilo 168 172 uh, etc the stores from 85 to 125 per head the cull use and not as buoyant 79 to 170 per head Uh, we had also dairy sale on Monday and again next Monday of course Uh, a little bit of a lift here Matt Uh, 1250 to 2020 for calved cows and heifers the in-calf lots Good value, I felt, from 950 for in-calf ones. Calving, I know, uh, mid-March, but 950 to 1800 euro per head for a forward type one. And um, so next Monday we have our sheep sale and dairy sale at 12.30. Tuesday we have our cull cow sale at, um, that kicks off at 10 o'clock uh, with the cows following at 10.30. And on Thursday our general cattle sale. Michael Lynch is out recuperating at the moment. Best of luck, Michael, and uh, you'll be back in, in harness, no doubt, in, in the not-too-distant future. And if you want silage bales, we have them out in belly foil, 4x4s, they're top quality types, and as I mentioned, that uh, in, in lamb you sale on Monday also for uh, Jim Darcy. You know, by the way, calves, 50 kilo plus if possible. Okay, the small calf is still, you know, the, but the, the exporters want them three, three weeks old, etc. And as I said before, you know, if you have a calf there, he's worth giving a beast. Give him a beast for three, four, five days. It's not going to break you, and it will definitely help help the calf along the way uh, in his early early days. Okay, let's start our general conversation on that particular point. I want to ask, ask you both the question. Is there, uh, Eric, we'll start with you. Is there an increasing realisation on the point of uh, the suppliers of calves, mainly dicks are of age or whatever, age, weight, and um, increasingly breed, that they have to breed a calf that's fit for purpose for the next person that's, that's taking it on and will throw in genotyping there as well? I think we're at the crest of the wave of that. I think we're starting now, and it's going to take this season to drive that point home. And uh, certainly, I, I think now as we start into the calf sales, and, and George will surely agree with me, you know, and he's correct in saying that 50 kilo calf, you know, if we can get the calves into the ring and they're good, strong calves, we're sure to be bid for them because you will have a good Irish market, I think, because the beef trade is as positive as it is. But the genotype in that calf, the calf that has AI status maybe behind him or good genetics behind him, he will, he or she will get sold in the ring. But these light calves that are not being given the milk at day one, they won't possibly be bid for and you may have to take them back home again and then there's a whole disease status risk there. So we are in saying it here uh, as a Martin Tullow. 
give the calves a drop of milk. It's not that expensive. It will be returned because you will be sure to get your calf sold. And that has to have a big uh, positive going into the farm. And certainly uh, with the calf sale with us every Friday morning at 11 o'clock here and talking to Alan uh, as he gets up to sell them, he would simply say to you, Eric, we can sell a calf with a nice cover of flesh on him that is a healthy calf comes into the ring, but them calves that are not being looked after or haven't got the genetic breeding behind them, we're going to find it very, very difficult to get them placed. George, you've been at this game a good few years and you've <laughs> seen traceability improve and increase uh, and, and become more scrutinised over the years. Are we now watching the next stage, uh, almost a revolution, certainly an evolution of traceability, that it's no longer from birth to slaughter, it's now from conception to slaughter, that uh, in, in three or four years' time it will be the norm. No animal will pass through the ring except you will be able to see up on that board exactly the breed of that calf. Well, or, or, or store or whatever. Very true, Matt. And, and of course, with the with the possibility of the removal of blue cards going coming forward, you know, where it's all scanned in, you know, and you have all those details up on the board, as I said. And I told you this before, Matt, uh, if you have a, a five cattle in the ring, a five or six cattle in the ring, and uh, two or three of them, uh, they look at the dam, the dam it could be UAEX. That's the kiss of death that we find. I don't know about mm. where, with Eric, but, mm. you know, if there's a Jersey cross influence there. So, so, so the people who I uh, understand why the Jersey was into Used to increase the salads, etc., etc., but I don't think they took into consideration about the, the product that it's producing. A, a, a Jersey bull calf or a Guernsey bull calf is a liability. But technology solves that. Sex well, semen uh, virtually solves yes, that completely yes. if you're willing and, 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 and able and committed to go down that route. Correct and right, Matt. And uh, I suppose that's that's the only saving grace about it. You know, if if, if farmers take that on board and, and go for the sex semen scenario, it's a, thing, a case of having to. Specifically, if you're in those high, uh, uh, you know, the, those high hybrid type of cattle, you must do it because, as I said, uh, if you have a bull calf of that uh, of that breed, it's a liability. Eric, we may be heading for the end now, but just before we go, a degree of optimism, obviously, around the ring in regard to cattle prices. Slight worry, you know, but it's a it's an industry built on confidence, and you ride the wave while it's while, it, while it's running. Absolutely, and look at farmer supports farmer, and that's always been the case. And I think, as we were just saying when we were off air there for the last break, the trade is our concern here as Bart managers and, and auctioneers is that the store man that has been confident today and is returning the price that he got for his beef cattle that he finished it, that he is sure to get his money back. And it's like going out into a race here and you're running the race and you come to Beecher's Brook and the whole thing is pulled away from you because the beef trade collapses because they, a minority of people take control of the trade. And that's where we're concerned. We are delighted to see this and we will be great advocates of it, both George and I, as we get up and take the gavel in our hand. We'll make sure we'll get as close to four-year-old Kylo each time and every time. But we're just concerned for the store man as he and she comes into the ring, which is great confidence, and do what they do is buy them cattle back, is that the beef industry now stands behind them and we as farmers and people in the industry get in behind them and give them the strength they need. Oh, those are good words. To, you, you, you agree? Uh, yeah, yes, indeed, I do, Matt. And talk about, you're talking about protest. The protest, the theme is, uh, these farmer protests, enough is enough. Hmm. And that, that, that is typical. Uh, and, and, and we must, uh, you know, uh, support them uh, all the way because without, without the farmer there, uh, marts per se, or any agricultural industry wouldn't survive. Well, I, I, I have to admit, I don't know who invented the, the, the phrase, but enough is enough. It's, it pretty much sums it up. I think it does indeed, Matt. Yes, it does indeed. Absolute. Eric, thank you very much for coming into studio this evening. George, thank you. 
Owen, who produced and engineered this evening, thank you. And to everyone else who contributed, until next week. From me, Matt O'Keefe, farm well, farm safely. Good night and goodbye. Farm Show on KCLR with Matt O'Keefe. Brought to you by TierlawnFarmLife.com.